With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch. Five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So this will be qualifying pressure that you've never experienced, really. No, at, at which Indy. is good because, yeah. see, when you think you experience everything in life, you know, <laughs> 22 years in IndyCar. You're still being surprised. You're still being surprised. years in. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here at the St. Petersburg Grand Prix, the day before the season opener of the IndyCar Series, where I am joined by the 2013 Indianapolis 500 winner and 2004 Series champion, Tony Kanaan. TK, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Nice uh, to be here. Yeah, so second season here with A.J. Foyt Racing. Last year didn't go exactly according to plan, and we haven't really seen how things have uh, unfolded here on the track this year, but how has it been so far? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a long road. You know, when I signed up with, with A.J., uh, I knew we had a lot of things to improve in the team, and he knew that, too. So the good thing is him being a driver, he understands what are, you know, the deficits that we need to improve. And, and as a race car driver, you have a tendency to think you can fix everything right away. And you, when you talk about a series that is that competitive, that is this competitive, although we made huge gains internally, it doesn't show yeah. that big on the racetrack. Unfortunately, you know, that's the way it is right now. The series is so competitive that everybody's making gains. I think uh, since I came here, we we have improved a lot, team personnel, organization, but it's still the performance of the car. It's something that we... We're still chasing. We, we've been trying to hire different people, add some more people to the uh, the engineer staff, and, and it's been tough. We had a tough year last year. I mean, there's no secret to anybody. It was my worst season re- season result since I started it in right. 22 years. So um, we've been trying to improve. You know, I think we're better than last year, but so is everybody else. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of like... That's the if trick in racing, right? Once you get behind, how do you catch up if everybody e- exactly. else is at the same time? Exactly. And especially when you're competing with big teams, with big budgets, but even like a multi-car team. I mean, I've been in a few years between Andretti and Ganassi with four-car teams and how much powerful that is. So, I mean, we, you know, we keep our heads together. We have a great sponsor on ABC that actually give us, and they're very understandable. They They try to help us out every year, you know, giving us a little bit more budget and this and that so hopefully you know i never one thing for sure for certain i never said i was going to come here in the first year i was going to fix everything where i was the only guy that was going to be able to so it's a long road but you know we have a multi-year deal here myself and and the sponsor so i think we can 
we can keep working towards making the team successful. It's not going as fast as I wanted it to be, but... When is it ever? Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, it was a career worst, I think 16th in points yep. last year, but... I mean, not all bad. You're driving for A.J. Foyt, four-time Indy 500 winner. I know at Indy last year, I think you were on track for a top 10 until yep. you had that late flat tire. And well, we led most of the race. We had, right. you know, like uh, we were there. Actually, we were on one of the cars that actually, if we had made it, you know, without that flat. I know, mm -hmm. you know, I hate to talk about ifs. Right, right, right. But we, were, we ran in the top 10 all day. You know, even with the flat. I was in the lead when we got the flat. So, and then, you know, with. 10 to go, I was trying too hard, and I was ninth, and we ended up hitting the wall with another flat. So I think, you know, like back in the days, you remember when we raced for KV, uh, you know, a small team with not as big of a budget as everybody else, we focus a lot on the 500, and we're doing the same thing here. You know, it's, it's the race to win. Mm -hmm. It's the race that is going to change everything. And actually, to my boss, it's the only race that counts. <laughs> so... I think we're good. Uh, I'm pretty confident there, especially, I mean, this year with we're saying the car count could be up to 40 cars. So we're going to be, you know, you have to be on point. You know, I don't think I've been in the 500 that we had 40 cars. since This is my, what, 18th? Wow. Uh, yeah. 500. Right. And well, it was always like, I think in the good old days, you're like, ah, I'm locked in. I'm 33rd. You yeah. know, yeah, we're 34 cars, but there's always one car that is not that fast. And, uh, this year, you're going to have to be on point. So I'm confident that there, at least, we're, we're pretty good. So this will be qualifying pressure that you've never experienced, really. No, at, at which Indy. is good because, yeah. see, you, when you think you experience everything in life, you know, <laughs> 22 years in IndyCar. You're still being surprised. You're still being surprised. years in. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so last year, TK, when you, when you had that accident at Indy, I read that, you know, at first you went to AJ and we're going to apologize and say, hey, man. So, and AJ was like, Wait a second. No, man. Like, I've won this race four times. I understand you're going for it, and you never have to apologize if yeah, you're trying I to mean win the race. And, and from what I understand, like, he hired you in part because, from talking to people, you, you guys have that kind of in common, that aggressive style. Yeah, he says, I mean, he, uh, I remind him a lot of himself when he was driving, which is a great compliment. Yeah, you know? that is. I don't think in this lifetime I'm going to win four Indy 500 because <laughs> I don't think I have that many <laughs> left on me. But Maybe uh, you should have won four, though. Maybe I should, <laughs> but it should, could have, would have. Yeah. But, you know, um, it was great because, you know, actually it made me feel better because he came to me and says, you know what, don't you ever apologize for trying. We haven't allowed the 500 and I don't remember how many years he told me, but I, mm -hmm. you know, for a fact, they haven't been competitive in the past few years, and you put us back. So don't you ever apologize for that. I said, all right, we have a deal. <laughs> What's it like driving for him, TK? And I know that he's not quite as involved. I mean, he's 84 years old now. I know he's not quite involved as much day to day. I, we're in your team hauler here, and I know you were just in the meeting with Larry. With him well, as well. But he, yeah. it, you know, I mean, just he sits in my pit box. Mm -hmm. uh, he has his chair there. And just coming in and looking at him when you make a comment and he either shakes his head positively or negatively, it's a, it's a big help for me. I have a lot of respect for the guy. And you can't buy experience. And, yes, he, he's 83, 84 years old. But he goes around and looks at cars and he still says, oh, look at that geometry. Look at that. I mean, he mm -hmm. spot things that I'm like, all right, I wish I could be like that. You know, so he's still a big help. And the biggest thing to me is, I don't know, obviously the guy is one of my racing heroes, so to have that 
alongside you. The respect is so much that he always knows what to say at the right time for you. Like he, I, I haven't experienced AJ being negative to me or trying to throw me down, even when I made the worst mistakes, because it's been there, and he made yeah. them. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, I know it's a softer AJ than people are used to, <laughs> but I, I I enjoyed it a lot. Like you know, he's uh, he's some somebody that I can always count on, and, and and that's great. So underneath the veneer of the guy who survived killer bee swarms <laughs> and bulldozer accidents and God knows how many racing crashes, is a soft guy. <laughs> is a, is I wouldn't call him a soft guy, <laughs> but I think he's uh, he's more laid back than he used to be. Okay, fair enough. Uh, you guys have made some personnel changes as yep. well. Uh, we add some people. Added some people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We we. I mean, I think we're up to like the guys that have worked with me through my career. I'm up like four out of six of my mechanics mm -hmm. worked with me there at KV Andretti or Ganassi. So the latest addition was Scott Harner, which is the VP. And he came from Ganassi. He came from Ganassi. He spent 26 years there. It was huge. It was actually kind of a surprise because we not even we didn't even contemplate it to speak to him and all of a sudden he's a good friend um, and I guess he quit and three weeks later we start talking and you know we made it happen in a couple of days so uh, it was something completely unexpected he only came back we only came to the team two weeks ago so he's still fairly new and. I think organization-wise, that has nothing to do with the performance. But as you know, Nate, you've been in racing forever. You've been covering this. It, it's a teamwork. Mm -hmm. And then when we say it's a teamwork, people don't believe that how serious that is. I think we have a lot of things apart from the performance of the car. We need to organize our team personnel as well. And yeah. bringing a guy like him, Eric, my engineer, that we won the 500 together, it brings credibility to the team. We'll call better people to come work for you. Because... Racing is extremely uh, ungrateful when you are not at the top. So we don't have a lot of credibility in the paddock, and people sometimes they just want to come to work for a winning team. Yeah. And that's easy when you're winning to hire anybody. <laughs> that's yeah. the easiest thing. Yeah. And for us, we're trying to build a winning team. So the people that come here, it's because they really want to be part of something great. They want to be part of the biggest name in racing, and put the biggest biggest team biggest name in racing with this team back to where it belongs what AJ was used to so Scott had brought a lot of credibility to our team it's not gonna happen overnight we still have a lot of areas that we need to improve including the most important one the, the performance of the car but I like the direction we're heading it's just for me, it's just not happening fast enough. <laughs> that's just me being picky. Again, it never does. AJ was at Daytona for the 500 TK, and he told us there that uh, that Larry, his son, has pretty much taken over day-to-day. Mm -hmm. -day. For listeners of this podcast, a lot of them are NASCAR fans. That Larry Foyt is not an unfamiliar name to them. He yep. drove in Cup, so he's a bit of a racer. Wait, what's it like having him manage the team? I, it, I know he's not an IndyCar guy. No, no, full, but, it's, but fu it's funny yeah. because, you know, this is the first time that I have a boss that it's younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, hey, man. But what, uh, three years, I think, here? He studied nine, no? Okay. Or 40. I, I don't even know. But I th I'm 44. So I think it's four years. Larry's been in racing, like you said. He raced everything. He raced IndyCar, NASCAR. And he's been in racing since he was born mm -hmm. because of AJ. So he understands the big picture as well. I really appreciate He became... Larry's a friend. Larry's a personal friend. And I told him that the other day, I think. I made a few, few friends in racing. They're 
still people that one day if I'm not around we're still gonna go to dinner we're still gonna call each other and Larry is one of them so he's a fairly young team owner feeling a big shoe it's a lot of pressure for him to AJ AJ's name so uh, I, I we work really closely together I'm not you know when people when you look from the outside I'm not just the driver I mean I'm I'm being helping on the background Larry and I chat a lot with the direction we want this team to go, um, which I love it. I love that part of it. I think I'm getting more involved. I've done that at KV back then, and it worked quite well for us, winning the 500. So I'm, uh, I am moved to Indianapolis because of it. Right. Um, yeah. I'm in the shop every day. You know, we still have two shops. We have one shop in Houston, which the four car stays there. My car is in Indy because as far as team personnel, a lot of the mechanics are based in Indy. It's kind of like NASCAR for the NASCAR fans that are listening to us. You know, everybody's in Charlotte. Right. And if you make a NASCAR team out of Denver, I'm pretty sure that, you know, yeah. uh, you know the, the team there struggle to get people. Right. Because they, you're not going to make somebody to move with your family. Mechanics have kids and this and that. So uh, we felt it was better, which it kind of hurt us a little bit yes. as far as having to different shop base but yeah i'm in the shop every day you know that's my commitment when when i signed to drive for larry that was part of my deal that i was going to be closer to the team so he's not there he lives in houston so i'm the i'm the eye yeah there to you know call him and say i think we need to do this we need to do that and, and he gets on it with now we have george clothes which worked with me and andretti which is a team manager in houston now with scott being being in the base you know, I think we made our team a lot stronger. Well, that's great for the team, DK, to have you in Indianapolis. And, of course, many drivers who have competed in IndyCar live Correct. there. That is that is the hub. But for somebody like yourself, you know, Brazil native, I, I think. Yeah, I lived in Miami in for South 23 Florida. years. <laughs> yeah, but that was something that I wanted to show the team Yeah, my commitment. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not that person that I'm going to save anything. I'm not. I didn't come here just because I want to you know, just make money and drive the car. I came here to make a difference. And yeah. I think uh, that was one of the things that I proved to all the boys and Larry that I want to be here and I want to make it work. You know, that was a big commitment on my part. I mean, I have four kids. Kids are growing. They love the heat. We had a brutal week, uh, winter, <laughs> which it still is in Indy right now. And, and so I, w I made a lot of sacrifices as well. And I, I don't regret it. And I think that showed, you know, my commitment to the team. Yeah. So bit of a culture shock for a guy who's never experienced an Indianapolis oh, Midwestern winter, especially when your heat goes out, I, I saw recently. I <laughs> hate my life uh, <laughs> for, you know, I, I contemplated my decision. Uh, my wife looked at me th and thought I was crazy and I was going to go nuts, but that's the commitment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to make it work. She's from Indiana, so she probably she, she was didn't used mind to it. it right? She just yeah. said, I told you, I told you, I told you. And actually it was not her decision. It was totally mine. So Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take responsibility <laughs> for it. So in preparing for this, TK, it's probably been probably five or six years since I talked to you. So I went back through a lot of interviews that I had done with you over the years, most of those between 2007 mm -hmm. to 2013. Yep. And there's this recurring theme that I kept finding there that I was always asking, as like everybody else was back then, about the state of the series. Uh -huh. So I have all these quotes from you <laughs> from what right. wh where the state of the series was in 07 or right after the unification in 08. And... Now I look back at that and it's like it feels like it's a different world compared Completely. to what things are like now. Yeah. Can you even uh, w what is the state of IndyCar right now? And can you even like contrast it with what it was like back yeah. then? Yeah, I mean, I would say since I came, I mean, obviously I came to Champ Car in '98. Mm -hmm. The split that happened, 
and we started to fall, right? NASCAR took off, and we just survived until, I would say, until last year, we really, really struggled to grow. And all of a sudden, I think, in the last, actually, I would say the last couple of years, with some management changes, the TV package, which is everything. I mean, I know, you know, NASCAR depends on that. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a great format. Uh, with NBC coming on board the way they are, we just took off. And, and so back to what I was saying, I think since 98, this is the strongest I've lived as far as series concerned. We have more teams than ever. We're stronger than ever. Like I said, we might have 40 cars. And I'm pretty sure more than 36. Mm -hmm. I've never raced an IndyCar that we had more than 34 cars or 35 cars, if I recall. We're in a high. We're in a high, and, and we finally got you know, back on track and back where we belong. The only thing is, now the pressure comes, we're going to have to maintain and still grow. Yeah. And then I think... You know, being involved, I know, you know, you you covered NASCAR for a long time. You still do. So the only we're not. I'm not trying to compare, but it's still same thing. That's the biggest hurdle they have. How we keep right. going. We became so big, and then all of a sudden you have the critics. Oh, but we don't have the same amount of fans anymore. Right. right. So everybody is going through an adjustment, mm -hmm. and I think when you grow that big, every little loss people hammer you. Right. Right. And and I think. Both series are still strong. I'm not saying we. D I don't think we took any NASCAR fans. We steal anybody from that. That it's a completely different product. It's completely different type of race. A race fan, I believe, if you're a race fan, you're a race fan, mm -hmm. right? But you can you have your preferences. But so back to the series, I think we're in a, the highest it's ever been. You know, look at look how much we you know we used to struggle to get a title sponsor, and all of a sudden we had. Verizon leaving and boom, NTT comes straight back. So that is credibility. People are not just doing favors just mm -hmm. because a CEO of a company says, ah, I kind of like IndyCar. Oh, it's cheap. We're going to put my name on it. Because like everywhere, when you invest on it, you're going to call, you know, you're the title sponsors of a series. We all know. I mean, it's it's the money they're going to spend just to be the title sponsor. They're going to spend double because they're going to have to actually activate it. So I, I think we are, we're, we're in a really good place. I mean, uh, and, and, and I say that because I'm more involved also on the sponsorship side. I have personal sponsors like 7-Eleven, Bryant, people that have been with me since when we start talking. Right. And they're investing more in the series. And that is, you're talking to not to just to the CEO that loves Tony Kanan. You go there and you show them numbers because marketing people, it's all about the numbers. We put $1 here, how much we can get it back. And we're showing that. You know, we have it back. Like I said, I think our biggest gain, apart from the title sponsor, was the TV package. Mm -hmm. That is something that changed our lives. Because those are the metrics that sponsors want to see. Show me the ratings. Show, show me, me the, the ratings. What's is. the credibility yeah. of the network? Right. And obviously, NBC speaks for itself. Um, I think also NBC gained a lot when we, well, it took over. Even the 500 is our biggest event, and we didn't have that last year. Mm -hmm. It was somebody else. So mm -hmm. I think we all benefit from a big yeah. time. Yeah. One, one thing I have heard... Tony, that I, I maybe is different from 10 years ago is there has always been sort of a rivalry. I mean, it's just natural among all motorsports. I think NASCAR and IndyCar, there was always a tendency to compare. But uh, starting to hear more traction for maybe a doubleheader type approach mm -hmm. or a weekend like that. I know, you know, mm -hmm. executives who are above me at NBC Sports Group have talked to NASCAR and IndyCar maybe trying to do something like that. Do you think 
something like that would make sense? A hundred percent. I think yeah. I don't see, like I said, I mean, uh, I can only speak if, as a, I'm a race fan as well. I'm a race car driver, but I'm a race fan. I love to watch NASCAR races. I have friends there that race there. I mean, I love watching IndyCar. Obviously, I race. But yeah. to me, if we're going to make both series grow, why not? Right. That's my right. question. You know, it's w w we don't have the same product. We don't go the same speed. Mm -hmm. So that what's the competition there? You right. know what I mean? It's like, right. hey, Nate, let's go for a run, but I'm going to ride my bicycle and you're going to run. <laughs> who's going to win? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And we're right. not here to talk about uh, who's fast. Well, we're faster. We have more technology, but that's not their product and, and, and so on. So I think over the years, you're right. It was a little bit of a, like a rivalry here and there, but then we slowly, or actually, if you look, some rule changes that they made and rule changes that we make, we kept kind of like copying each other yeah. and not. No, yeah, definitely. You know, like, oh, they copied, ah, see, they yeah. copied us. And then, oh, see, they copied us. Double so file restarts. So, bring it oh, so, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. you know, so yes, to answer your question, I don't see why not. Yeah. And then if we can put, can you imagine you put both fan bases together and we both grow? We're in the same network most of the time. I mean, obviously, we're exclusive on ABC. I know NASCAR have three times more races than we do, so right. they don't. But, you know, you guys have, you know, I think the credibility to all of you, you, I mean, they brought you in. Then you have now Dale Jr. in, which his fan base, if he talks about IndyCar, Right. Junior Nation is going to like IndyCar, <laughs> correct? <laughs> He's going to be at the Indy 500. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you know, and then hopefully through the years, we will be able to say, okay, maybe Tony Kanan will day will be a part of the NBC. We'll bring my <laughs> fan base too. But I think, you know, it's this is just something that, yes, to answer your question, yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, all of racing, you sort of said it, is facing relevancy problems. Everybody's trying to hold on to the audience they've got and try to get more people involved. Everybody's trying to be relevant. Why not just do it Ex together, exactly. right? I mean, it's all auto Why not? Yeah. What's next for you? Um, I mean, have you is the, you said multi-year deal? Like Yeah, I mean, you know, when I signed with AJ, uh, <laughs> it was funny because I said this is this is definitely, I can assure you, this is my last contract in IndyCar. I am, I'm loyal, I mean, to AJ. And I will drive as long as he will provide me a car. The issue is, he told me I will drive as long as I want to drive. So we kind of have a, <laughs> uh, he said, I said, you know, AJ, you know, I'm getting old. He says, what do you mean? I retire was 58. Uh, I can assure you I'm not driving until I'm 58. <laughs> but to be honest, Nate, I, I made a mistake in the past to try to put a, a number, right? Oh, I have two more years. Mm -hmm. I have three more years. I have one more year. I'm in a very good place here. I have the motivation to do it. I'm pretty sure I'm still fast. I'm still extremely competitive at the Indy 500. Um, I m my commitment will be. I think people would start worry. Should start worry when I make this team more successful and we're fighting for wins. That probably would be the time I said, "All right, my job <laughs> is kind of done here, and I might go do something else." But I would say, as a preference, if Tony Cannon, if you ask me. If I wanted it to ride the perfect end of my career in IndyCar, it will be at least this year and two more. And you're that 44 years old, so that would take you to mid-40s. Mid-40s. I think I still physically, mentally, I will still be okay to do it. 
obviously I took care of my body and myself that yeah I'm 44 but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty fit for <laughs> 44 years old um, you still look it yes yeah so uh, that that would say in a perfect world that um, after that I don't know I uh, I love the broadcast yep. people kept saying that I you know I would do really well I don't know I think uh, it's something that especially the more of my friends are doing it like you know Dale um, BT mm -hmm. Thousand Bell I'm like hmm, I'm not saying that I'm going to be as good as them but I think the times that I participated, people kind of liked it. So that would be something that I would entertain. Or maybe even staying here and helping AJ to manage this team. Uh, you know, people ask me, what about sports car? What about... I mean, I'll be probably... If, if it goes according to plan, I'll be 47 by the time I quit this. I don't know if I'm going to be driving something else or I'm just going to want to be committed to... Yeah. Because... I mean, I was talking to Junior and then PT and Towson. I mean, the broadcasting, it's, it takes a lot. It's not that I'm going to have l more time in my hands. It's actually the other <laughs> way around. If the, you know, yeah. you get the production meetings, yeah. whatever you oh guys yeah. do all day long. Yeah. So Ask Dale about the number of emails he gets. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so to me, and you know, you put a race car driver to do that kind of job. We, we, we are, we're so used to perfection and be the best and that I don't see any different. I'll be committed 24-7. So, yes, I, yeah. I would say perfect world three more years okay maybe a couple more just doing the 500 and some uh, broadcasting something that interests me a lot well i think you'd be a natural i mean we've always appreciated your media savvy when i was going back and doing some research i'd forgotten that i think it was like a 2007 early interview like was where i first learned that y your sister is involved in mm -hmm. marketing and, yeah. and you were always sort i did of a lot of media training media yeah. yes yes yeah. so you've, you've always been a great quote but it was also because you had a little yeah. bit of a family uh, yes advantage a hundred percent got my butt kicked a few times for saying the wrong thing that's <laughs> over we've all done that right <laughs> yeah uh one more for you tk I, I saw recently you mentioned your 7-eleven personal deal and i saw recently on twitter that you told somebody you might be working on bringing back the 7-Eleven yeah, championship so scheme. Somewhere? So this has been a, <sighs> it's been a dream of mine, right? So again, nothing goes according to plan. But, you know, I, if you asked me 20 years ago, if you think I was going to be here, this is my 301 consecutive start and 363, I think, total. That would be in racing IndyCar for 22 years. I couldn't ever even dream of. So... And to be that healthy and have that many Yes, you know, yeah. of course, yeah. you know, things can happen. You yeah. get in that bad broken bones before, whatever. So in a TK perfect world, <laughs> <laughs> will be, it was entertained between myself and the CEO of 7-Eleven, Joe, which has been the same guy that started that program back in the day. Oh, wow. Uh, having a fun dinner conversation because right now they're just, uh, they're just my personal sponsor. That's all they are. How about bring that car back? We did this uh, for the past two years. We have this big convention for the vendors and the uh, franchisees in Las Vegas. And we bring an Indy car there. And actually, because it's just a 7-Eleven convention, we actually wrapped the car like the old. Ah, okay. So that's how he started wow, okay. it. But we, we're kind of far from that. <laughs> I mean, we have a great sponsor on ABC. Yep. I think uh, they've been with the team for 15 years I think it will be a dogfight if I decide to say, hey, yeah. I have two years left here. <laughs> but it is, I mean, I think, I can say this. I believe 
that if and when I say this is it, at least one race of that year will have the retro paint back for sure. Do you, f- do you hear feedback from fans? I mean, do they want to see it? Everybody, again? see, that's yeah. the fans actually got confused this year because I post a picture of that car. Yeah. Right, and people think the year before the same thing they expected because you see in a lot of teams nowadays, in NASCAR happens all the time. You change liveries from one race to the other. The sponsors buy only a four. Here, not as often. So they thought that was going to happen and it never <laughs> happened. We only see a little sticker in the front <laughs> nose and on my helmet. So, I showed the 7-Eleven folks that, and then a lot of people, they were involved back in the days when that program, we we liked the idea. If yeah. you think about it, I mean, even one of the guys on the marketing meeting said, you know, do you realize that out of your 17 wins, 15 of them were with the 7-Eleven callers? Only my uh, first win in champ car and my 500. The 500 win, 13. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. The 14, because then I won with the target car in Fontana. Oh, so right, three. Right, right. So okay. that 14 out of the 17. Yeah. There is a lot of history there. Yeah. And for the old race fans, I know NASCAR does that a lot. Sometimes you guys do the retro. I mean, you do it. So that's something that I, thi- I think it will happen. Hopefully it will happen one time. Well, we'll definitely be looking forward to it if it does. It brings back a lot of great memories. And certainly look forward to you continuing to race in the IndyCar series. Yeah. Um, Thanks for doing it, Tony. Really enjoyed it. It's good to oh, sit down. Thank again. you. Nice to see you. Don't take another five years to come talk <laughs> to me. <laughs> You'll see me at a few more IndyCar cool. races. All right, man. Thanks again to Tony Kanon, whom I've always enjoyed speaking with. I looked it up, and my first one-on-one interview with Tony Kanon, actually TK and Elio Castor Neves, when they were Indy Lights teammates and good friends, both being from Brazil, was at Fontana, California, September of 1997. That was the weekend of the inaugural IndyCar race at then California Speedway. There have been many interviews since then. In all of them, he has been candid and insightful, just like this one. Tony Kanaan always has been one of the most articulate drivers in IndyCar, which is lucky to have had him around for more than two decades. He has done some broadcast work in the past, so it's no surprise that also could be in his future. Thanks as well to Mike Zizzo of IndyCar and Benito Santos of Tony Kanaan Racing, both of whom helped coordinate that conversation and Anne at AJ Foyt Racing for providing some good background information on driver and team. Okay, now I've got a special addendum to this podcast episode. I had a chance for some phone time Monday with Joseph Newgarden, who happened to have won the St. Petersburg Grand Prix a day earlier. And we start off here talking about the fact that some people noticed in the interviews that Newgarden did at St. Petersburg, he was sporting a missing tooth. I happened to ask about that after the race. You can check my Twitter timeline for his hilarious and honest answer to why he lost that tooth. But anyway, in the meantime, here's my conversation with Joseph Newgarden. Newgarden, how are you? Doing well. How about yourself, Joseph? Oh, good, man. Thanks for uh, giving me a call making time. Uh, I should start with an apology, as I was the guy who asked about the teeth after the <laughs> race yesterday. So. <laughs> hey, I, I know. It's, it's, it's actually... It doesn't bug me because, you know, it's gotten to the point in this process where it's certain, you know, I started this, I don't know, I think I started this like six, eight months ago, and uh, there's like different phases of how we're doing it. But, you know, I started like forming little gaps, and like people would like be like, oh, you have braces, and you're just kind of confident. And then you start having conversations with braces, and it's like really becoming prominent, and they just don't say anything anymore. So, they know they're looking at it, and it's just getting more awkward. So, 
Okay, good. You're like, hey, it's supposed to look like this. This is the way it's supposed to be. It's okay to keep asking me questions, but how can how can people know? Did it ever get so painful that like you couldn't drive? Or was that ever a consideration? Or no, it wasn't that. But honestly, it, it really became a big problem for like guys. You know, it's just the way. It's really the way my bite had formed with you know the tooth not being in when I was a kid and immediately pulled everything together. It was a bite issue, and so you know I've had this this problem now when I when I get to the car and and I have the helmet on and I go through a race. It just locks up because the way it's holding together, it, it just it puts too much pressure on one side of my jaw joint, and so I would get out of the car. And, it is, and sometimes I just have to drive the car with it locked up to be locked up all weekend. It would start on a Thursday in practice day or something, and I'd like to be struggling to eat all weekend and, and just have to drive the car. I struggle to talk sometimes. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. So I was like, I just can't continue to do this, and I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and like refix the issue. So. Glad you're getting it done, and glad uh, it's not interfering with your your driving. Certainly, so far this season. Congrats uh, <laughs> again on the win yesterday and uh, qualifying second. Obviously, a great start. Yeah, for I'm you. like I'm so conf- I'm so conflicted. I'm like, well, I'm doing pretty <laughs> well, but I also don't want to do well. I'm up here the radar, so no one can see me. <laughs> like, I need to hide, but I can't do that. So. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talked uh, over the weekend, Joseph, with Tony Canon and Oriel Servia about the state of the series IndyCar. And I had actually talked to Elio for my podcast back at Rolex Testing about kind of like where he saw IndyCar. And so those three guys, Oriol, TK, and Elio, have been around IndyCar since cart champ car like days and pre-IRL and they, they sort of have this perspective of 20 years which is great because they, they've seen it go up and down but I would think like you really only been around in the last what seven years probably view it differently so I'm wondering you know with everybody talking about the, the positivity surrounding the series and the momentum how do you see it from the time you've been in has it always kind of been on an upward slope and it was just sort of incremental getting to this point or more of a of a spike I guess the last couple of years yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, yeah, for sure, it, it's different with me. The way I thought it is when I entered in 2012, it was kind of like that was when it was starting to get its positive, you know, momentum. And people were talking about, you know, the resurgence of IndyCar and, like, the, you know, we have this great path laid out in front of us and it's very future. It was a brand-new car in 2012, and it was, you know, like, all new management in IndyCar. There was a lot happening. And it's gone through some iterations of that, but... For sure, the, the conversation every year since 2012 has been growth, momentum, and like positivity with IndyCar. You know, and there's been some fluctuations, obviously, in there. But yeah, I just never, I've never heard since I've been in there, uh, you know, a negative year. We've always it's been up and down, but for the most part, it's always just been trending up. And I feel like it just keeps gaining more and more momentum. So the you know slope was you know kind of kind of shallow it wasn't very steep and that's just getting more and more steep and I feel like we're making more and more progress this year and uh, certainly with you know, the NDC deal this year we, we all feel pretty confident that's going to make a big step for us but yeah it's just like these little incre- incremental improvements each year so I, I've only seen it from you know the, the gospel of positivity really. <laughs> right do you ever talk to anyone who lived through the days of the split late 90s 2000 when cart was really riding high and the indie racing league was such a fledgling operation i mean do you ever get those perspectives and compare it to modern day and what you've lived I'm sure it would be completely different 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about it with some of those guys, but I, I really actually saw it. You know, when I was a kid, I would I would watch Champ Car and, and Indy Car, and it was I, I'll agree, it was a little bit strange. They would kind of detract from each other to some degree. I, you know, you were either kind of watching Champ Car, you were watching Indy Car. I just see there was a sense of divide there, and it just was hurting everything overall. And so I saw those years where there was split, uh, or there was a split in the T series, and, and uh, you know, then then you saw the, you know, I got to see as a kid the, the reformation or the, the, the integration of those two again back in 2008. And then there was just kind of those kind of odd years in 2009, 2010, like everyone's trying to find their footing with everything back together, and it's all positive, but it's not. And then it just got. It, you know, just continue to get better and better from, from when I got there. So it's kind of saw all those years happen. And, and, but, you know, I've not really talked specifically with guys like Elio about it. I'm, all I've heard from them is that it's just gotten better. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't always super positive And there were years where you just weren't sure where everything was going to go. And, and there was, there was definitely, uh, some, some nerves at point. Obviously, since reunification in 2008, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, trying to build the names and personalities of the series. And I thought it was interesting you got the question yesterday on what it had been like being the face. I can't remember exactly how that person phrased it, but I'm just curious, like, you know, a little bit more than a year removed from winning the championship and having 2018 being your reigning season. And what was that like being the face? And is it changed at all? Because I remember, you know, your first year 12, I think was the year Hunter Ray won. And there was all this focus on, oh, American driver, this is what we need. And I know it didn't quite work out the way I think he had expected. What was it like, I guess, for you as the reigning champion and, and being that face? Yeah, I mean, it was fine. You know, I've never, I, I, I've always just thought the series needs more of a foothold on like its identity. We we keep pushing that the drivers have to be stars and, and that's what matters and, and I agree to that to a certain extent, but you know the students have to stick too. Mm-hmm. You know, they they play on each other. It's hard it's hard to make one or the other, right? If you just focus on building stars that don't have series, it's really tough. But if you don't have a series, uh, or if you know, if you just focus on building the series you don't have any stars, it, it just they kind of have to happen together to some degree, you know. And and for me, I always looked at more just the series side. Like I want people to be enamored with the cars, the type of racing we have, you know, what we provide, the coverage, the way people, you know, feel it, the way they consume it, what they think about going to the track, our, our venues. Like I just, I always wanted that to be really great. And then you know, if you happen to become a star because you're currently the most successful in the series, and then that's great. You know, I want that too, but that was never, like, my focus. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't really, I don't know. I don't know how good or bad it was when, when, I, when I won the championship. I don't know, you know, I don't know that I made much of an impact by winning the championship, but I don't know that that speaks negatively to me or what we were doing. It's just where we were. You know, my impact was kind of the level of where we were at, right? So, that's why I've always just believed we just need to keep working on building the series. And, you know, you, it's, it's just, it's hard to make stars. I don't, I don't know what you got to do to, you know, they keep saying, well, we got to make stars out of you guys and stuff. And it's like, well, it's, it's hard. You can't just do that. You know, it's going to, it's going to come in conjunction with each other, in my opinion, where the series is getting bigger and the stars are getting bigger and it's just kind of all grown together. Yeah. It's sort of just more like what you do. I mean, you can't just be anointed a star for winning a championship. It's sort of already won two or three championships or he won the Indy 500 with an amazing last lap pass or something like it kind of 
it, depends more exactly. circumstances, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's much more of an organic thing. You know, it's not something you can force. You can't just boom, we're gonna make that guy a star. And he is. It's just you know, it's either gonna happen or not. One guy who seems like could be a star, Joseph, is certainly Felix Rosenquist. The performance he had yesterday, where you know, passing you uh, for second on the start and and passing Will after that that restart. What, what struck me about it is like he it wasn't just that he finished fourth it was that he made his presence known in some major ways against some elite talents like you guys obviously that that'll be like a race that gets remembered for his emergence was there a, a moment for you like that like when when and where joseph newgarden sort of arrived and you, you realized like hey i can do this i can race against these guys who have i've grown up watching and now i can beat them well so i had you know it's and this is always so tough. It's tough to compare past. I was like a real baby face, fresh, fresh rookie when I came in and didn't have a lot of experience in cars. Um, I mean, I didn't think I only spent, you know, two, three seasons in junior cars before I even got me in So, there, and, and I was with a you know, much smaller organization that you can have to racing. But for me, that kind of moment uh, was actually my second race. But it was very different than what Felix Racy was. I qualified, um, I qualified seventh at Long Beach. It was our second, that was our second race in 2012. And there was a bunch of engine penalties where I actually ended up starting on the front row of my second race. And I started right alongside Dario Franchini. And, um, I, I, I went for it right on the start of the race. I'm like, I'm going to outbreak this guy, right in turn one, and, uh, and leave this thing and get on with it. And I ended up, and it's getting tagged by him in my left rear. He just, <laughs> just hit me as I was going on the outside of my left right near the front of the ball. So, completely, you know, sort of finish or a result of what Felix was doing. But for me, I was like, you know what? I know I can hang with these guys. You know, this didn't work out well, but um, I'm fresh, I'm new. But I know I got what it takes. It's probably going to be a little bit of a road. Um, you know, I might not be in the, the best car in the field, best situation, but if you keep working at it, I, I know I can I can do the job. So yeah. that was kind of the race for me. Was there another racer moment, like it, when you're driving for Ed or for Penske, when you did reach you know the caliber of team that Felix has at Ganassi? Certainly, was there were there any moments with each of those teams the first time you realized, okay, I'm a Penske driver, I I can drive for Ed Carpenter and win? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when we were still CFH racing, we had merged. This was my fourth year in the series, so it was 2012. We had merged with Surface Garmin Racing and Ed Carpenter Racing, and they turned into CFH Racing. We won our first race in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and just kind of did it in a dominant fashion. And that, for sure, for me. But you know what? It's hard to just say that's just a very honest thing. Like in 2013 or 2014, the season, there was three or four races where we should have won. I mean, we led laps. Uh, we, you know, we were in position to win. Um, we executed while we were in the whole race, and then, you know, just something happened, and it all backfired in our face, and we didn't win it. So, there was multiple times up to my very first victory in 2015 where I thought, you know, no, I, I know I can do this, I know I can win. But really, when you win that first race, you go, know, okay, now, now we can continue to do this. It does, does sort of change your mentality, like you feel it off, you know you do the job, and, and you can do it again. How's the wedding planning going? Oh man, it's uh well, I'm not in charge of it, so <laughs> I think it's going great. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Do you have a date? Uh, yeah, we're in the we're we're well, we're trying to figure it out kinda. We we it's gonna be at the back half of this year for sure. Okay. Well not the back half, I just say the back quarter. It'll be in, you know, 
for sure winter time of this year. After the season. After the season, definitely. There's a lot. There's a lot going on this year on the plate. We got the, the season, we moved back to Nashville a couple weeks ago, so we got the wedding. We're trying to we're trying to do a lot of things. Oh, so you're living full time there now? Yep. Ended up moving back to Nashville just just a couple weeks ago. I have a lot of family there, so really just all those resources and kind of you know kind of that infrastructure of people is is a lot of the reason why why we moved back. Yeah. I presume you're not commuting though to Mooresville once a week to check in on the shop. It's just you see the guys at the track <laughs> and that's it. Well, I you know I had a I had a great conversation with Tim about it. You know, I, I, before I made the decision to, to move back, I, I wanted to make sure I talked to everybody and, and see how they felt about moving away. Because I'd always been extremely close to the team. That's why I moved to Davidson when we first went to Penske. Was just, you got to be accessible, you know. they got to be accessible to me and vice versa. And, um, you know, to be honest, I think I'm going to be at the shop in North Carolina just as much as I was last year. I mean, we, we travel... You know, our schedule is a lot lighter from a race standpoint than that far, but we, I think we travel nearly as much, if not more. You know, those guys have a totally different program, like with the Jets and the way they come in on, like, Friday and Sunday night. We travel a lot during the week, you know, whether it's, you know, I mean, we just go to so many different functions, so many different partner events, um, testing, I mean, whatever it is, we're, we're always traveling for something. So I think I'll, I, and kind of my plan, but I, I think I'll be in, in North Carolina, I'll be at the simulator, I'll be at the shop, pretty much just as much as I look or 80, but I don't feel impact out there. Well, good. Well, busy is good. Keep up the good thanks, work yeah, on all fronts. It. Thanks thanks for giving me time. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's good. See you, man. All right, man. Take care. Thanks again to Joseph Newgarden for giving us some time. As you heard, he was calling from his new permanent home in Nashville, Tennessee. That's where he's originally from. That's where he has relocated after living the past few years in Davidson, North Carolina, near the Team Penske shop in Mooresville, north of Charlotte. And thanks again to Mike Zizzo and Pat Caporali of IndyCar PR for setting it up. The NASCAR and NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. And as always, if you can leave a rating or review, That really helps us get the word out about the podcast. We will be back with another new episode next week and the weeks to come. I appreciate those of you who have stuck with me as I was a little too busy to have a pod ready to go last week or two weeks before that. I'll do my best to try to get back to a weekly schedule from here on out. There's a lot of good things happening and a lot of good source material available with NBC Sports Group now having IndyCar, IMSA, and Supercross in addition to NASCAR, in its motorsports portfolio. And as I've said, the name will remain the NASCAR and NBC podcast, but it will be branching out this season. And as always, I'm reaching out to you for feedback on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. You can send it to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.